this is Brian Copeland. Welcome to another edition of Copeland's Corner. If all goes well, a little bit later on, we'll be joined by three distinguished comics who will join us for our headliners on the headline segment. We'll talk about some of the news of the week. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, today uh, being Wednesday, we record this, uh, this podcast on Wednesdays and it drops on Thursdays. Uh, there has been a resolution that has been introduced in the House of Representatives to expel Representative George Santos of New York, the serial, they keep calling him a serial fabulist. <laughs> I love that he's a fabulous. How about he's a liar? What fabulous? He's a liar. I mean, the guy even lied about his own name. And uh, they, they t- tried twice to expel him, but they didn't have the votes. In order to expel somebody from the House of Representatives, you need uh, a two-thirds majority, and they were well short of that, with uh, a number of uh, of his Republican colleagues saying that they would not vote to expel because uh, there had not been due process. He hadn't been uh, officially charged with anything, when in fact he had. There are 23 uh, federal counts against him for various uh, financial manipulations and, and misuse of campaign funds and things. Well, the House Ethics Committee came out with a damning report uh, about 10 days ago, uh, listing all of the things that he's done. Just, you know, stuff that we hadn't heard about, where, uh, for example, his campaign was soliciting uh, donations from people and having them put the donations on their credit cards. And then Santos would then, Santos and or his people would take the credit card information and put charges on the card without the permission or the knowledge of the donor and use, use the, the card to charge personal expenses. I mean, he was doing things like, you know, charging for designer clothes and expensive dinners and, and uh, an OnlyFans account even that he put on somebody's card. So there's all this kind of stuff. So now in light of the House Ethics Committee uh, report coming out, you have a number of congressmen who congressmen and congresswomen who voted uh, against expelling him who have now flipped. There's something like 90 of them who have flipped and said that if it comes up to it for a vote now, they will in, in fact vote to get rid of him. Now, the question is whether or not it's going to be enough to hit the two thirds. Uh, the most recent thing I read right before uh, uh, coming on to, to record here is that uh, the Speaker of the House, uh, Speaker Johnson, says that uh, he has some reservations about whether or not uh, he should be uh, removed, whether or not Santos should be removed because he has not been convicted of anything. It's like, come on, the guy even lied about his own name. <laughs> it's just, it's it's funny, but it's not funny. I mean, it's funny because it's just so ridiculous. It's 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 gone so incredibly far. The things that this guy lied about, uh, and it's and it's just, I mean, it, I, I'm it, I'm speechless, as you can tell. I'm I'm, I'm speechless because there's just so much here. But he has reservations, and we know what the reservations are about. It's about the fact that the, that the Republican majority in the House of Representatives is razor thin. It's something like four or five, and they cannot afford to lose this vote. They really can't afford to lose his vote. If they kick him out, what happens is there is a special election in his district in upstate New York, and there is a slim to zero chance that the Republicans are going to hold on to that seat when there is the special election, which will take place. If he's kicked out today, tomorrow, sometime this week, you're looking at this special election to take place in uh the special election will take place in, uh, I believe, March is what uh, is when it's projected to happen. So stay tuned. We'll see whether or not they get rid of them this time. If they don't get if they don't kick you out for stuff like this, nobody should ever be kicked out of Congress for anything ever again. My opinion. 
this is the part of the podcast we call Headliners on the Headlines. Joining us, uh, two of my favorites, Lauren Mayer is here with us. Don Reed is here with us. Uh, Kate Robards is supposed to be joining us from New York, uh, and uh, she may be having some technical issues. So if all goes well, we will drop her in as soon as uh, as soon as she pops up. If not, it'll be the three of us. So happy after Thanksgiving. Happy post-Thanksgiving. You guys eat a lot. Everything good? Uh, yeah. Thanks. It, it was my birthday. So it's interesting how you exponentially get more congratulations of birthday, but also exponentially more family around to have their conflicts. Yeah, I remember yes. a time when you, oh, really? Thank you. Mm. Happy birthday, slap. <laughs> Uh, indigenous people's drama day. <laughs> we used to have a magnet on our refrigerator that's a George Burns quote Happiness is a warm, loving family in another time zone. Having your birthday on a holiday can, on a major holiday can be kind of a drag. Mine, oh, mine uh, turns up uh, on Easter every seven or eight years. My birthday, I'm, my, uh, I'm April 21st. So every seven or eight years or so, it'll fall on Easter. Uh, I got stinks. another friend who's born on Christmas. My I mean, best oh. friend from college is December 31st. So oh, he used to think the, he used to think the fireworks were for him. And my birthday is almost always in the middle of Hanukkah. So I used to get birthday presents with the Hanukkah paper ripped off. I could see little traces. Oops, but put, put birthday paper on it. Or the, uh, the, the, the good old, oh, I lump these two together. Yes, I always get yeah, your, your Hanukkah and birthday is the same. So yeah, my brother and sister got the double lumping. My birthday's on the 23rd. Theirs was on the 26th and the 27th. And they always look with me, look at me with disdain, like you got extra. <laughs> happy birthday. Ours is a clumper, you know. Yeah. Mm. Well, happy birthday. And yeah, happy, happy birthday. Happy, and happy birthday to you, Lauren. Yours is Thank coming you. up in a couple of Next days. Next week, yeah. All right, let's uh, let's uh, kick off with this. Um, what I talked about in my monologue before bringing you guys on is uh, that the resolution introduced in the House today to kick out George Santos, finally. Now, yes. whether or not they have the votes, who knows? Who knows? So I was going through some of the things that he has lied about. <laughs> I don't know what you guys remember or what you don't. How long so have you got? I'm going to start, start with this. Okay, here, I'll give you my two favorite George Santos lies. <laughs> my two favorite. And if you can remember, and if you can remember, give me your two favorite. Here are my two favorite. The first one is when they got busted for claiming that his grandparents survived the Holocaust and he is not Jewish. And what he said was, no, 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 no. I said that I was Jew. Ish. That's one of my favorites. My second favorite lie is he claimed that he he produced uh that he was a producer for uh uh Spider-Man into the night, I think was the name of the movie. <laughs> yes, and that was like the... opened and closed in like two days or something. Yes. So it's like if you're gonna lie about producing a musical, at least lie about a hit. Not exactly. lying. That's like lying about. Yeah, I, you know, I also helped build the Titanic. I mean, it's like, you know, lie about at least lie about something that's good. My, um, well, I took that Jewish lie personally because there are a lot of Jews who claim they're not observant, and that Jewish is actually a thing. It's people who are culturally Jewish, but they're not religiously observant. It doesn't mean you're not really. Um, it, it, it's something that we used to, so he took that away from sort of cultural, non-religious Jews. But my other favorite part about it is like my grandparents survived the Holocaust. They were in the United States and they survived and it happened. That's kind of how, he, you know, it's like, yeah. I mean, he, that my other favorite lie from him is that, and I guess it's true because the ethics report showed how much money he spent 
at on Botox and OnlyFans and at mm -hmm. Ferragamo. And somebody who spent that much money on high fashion things dresses the way he does. I know. Yeah. That's what I wonder when I, when I saw that he was shopping at all these high end stores. And, and he looks like he's, that. He, he's, he's dressed like a college freshman. Well, the Botox doctor, though, I'm riveted by this story because that's what I'm going to do my song about. And I'm waiting to find out if they have if they think they have the votes. So I've got two versions of the song planned. One, if he does get expelled, one, if it gets kicked down, you know, they kick the can down the, the street. But the doctor who did his Botox is not licensed to do any kind of cosmetic anything. Oh, wow. He is a doctor. And apparently he got sued for doing a failed penile enhancement surgery on a client <laughs> so there is a malpractice lawsuit and of course it wouldn't just be any medical malpractice it was a failed penile enhancement well that's the thing too. The if you were going to have a penile enhancement would you try to do it on the cheap <laughs> I mean, stuff that you'll you'll see willing to, to save a couple of bucks on yeah, exactly. your stuff i'll buy generics of certain things yeah. but when you go to getting a penile enhancement not that i would need one but if i did need one i certainly wouldn't do it on the cheap hey don't don't cut corners on that right <laughs> well yeah. check this out though here's the thing there's kate the i am so sorry kate kate kate, kate, kate. um uh, the the way he uh, lays out his lies, the way George Santos, the, the, like you said, Brian, the things he chooses to lie about and the degree of importance when they might not have been nothing. Like he lied about uh, being on a soccer team of like a no-name soccer team, which you right. might want to do to go under the radar. Good lie. But then lie about being connected to a financial institution, but choose Goldman Sachs, one of the largest on planet Earth. He, and easiest to prove. Yeah. Honest things, and, and easiest to prove. And the, the soccer thing is the least easiest, like nobody cares about. What was the school? Um, Beijing or something that started with a B. Yeah. Yeah. And then they called the school and the school never heard of them. Exactly. Right. Or the <laughs> other one I loved is his mom died in 9-11. But no, actually, she didn't die. She survived it. I mean, like... You know, I, I honestly think the whole thing is performance art. It's like a giant. Um, what's the comedian um, Andy Kaufman who, like, you know, did all this his whole all life was put on. Put on because put if you're going to lie about such a me, oh, and the other one, I which is going to go in my song is he is now comparing himself to Mary Magdalene. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, which I don't first get that he was because what? he's being shamed in the public square. Because historically, supposedly, you know, there's a theory that's come out in the last several years that Mary Magdalene was actually one of the apostles and may have actually been Jesus's wife. And right. that that uh, historically now, because men wrote the Bible and men have written the scriptures and so forth, that she was demonized and, and shamed as being a prostitute when, in fact, she was one of the apostles and, and was perhaps Jesus's wife. So that's one of the theories. So Santos is claiming he was Jesus's wife. That's interesting. That's it. Or a prostitute. <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> Kate, welcome. Uh, good to have you. We figured you yeah. had some tech issues. No problem. My gosh, it's so glad to be here. I just want to say that... Um, you know, we got to go back to the OG politician. We got to talk about Ronald Reagan, right? Because he was wild with those stories as well. And people palated it a little more because he had that acting background. Mm -hmm. And now politicians are like, why do I even need to be an actor? Right? Like, I can just lie all the time. It's so <laughs> fun. There was a story I remember when Reagan was president where he was talking about some World War II mission he was on and a, the a bombing, you know, the bomber jet or something. And then come to find out it was a movie he was in. 
Well, 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 here's the thing. Well, I was well, I was in a movie. Well, well, it's like uh, what's this? Um, uh, the TV show about the robot, um, Max Headroom. Reagan always seemed like one of those animatronic malfunctioning robots. I mean, he looks quaint. You know, Nancy Reagan's astrology stuff. I mean, all that stuff looks so quaint compared to, you know, the liars we have now. Well, what's amazing is Reagan would be considered too liberal for today's oh, yeah. party. That's 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 the frightening thing. Um, let's see. One of the things uh, you, know, and you can't avoid Trump. Go ahead. I'm, I'm in New York. I'm in New York. And, you know, Eric Adams has been in the hot seat before for lying. And it reminds me almost of the Hassan Minaj controversy where it's like, mm -hmm. What's the difference between a good story if you're using it? Because um, Adams, Mayor Adams was, I think it was a, a fallen soldier, a, a fallen police officer who he carried in his wallet. And apparently um, one of his staffers said, they had, he had me print that up right before the press conference. <laughs> <laughs> it was this endearing, wonderful story. And, and unfortunately, it's not true, but it's kind of like, where do you say, hey, this is a, you know, like the Bible, a parable that we're trying to teach a lesson to have heart. We're not saying I actually have heart, but like you <laughs> should, and it would be good if you did, right? Well, on the Hassan Minaj thing, um, I, I just really think he's been treated unfairly because let's be honest, all comics lie in their acts. We, I mean, that's, I, you, know, never, you, you, you know, never, 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 come on, please. I mean, we exaggerate. That's maybe. what makes it funny. I mean, you 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 find you find the kernel of truth in it, or or at least the bit has has uh, an overarching truth. But you you exaggerate it exactly. in order to really make it. But funny. as long so as the exaggeration is, yeah, like you said, based on like my mother is from Washington State. In my shtick about her, she has a New York accent because it makes her sound more Jewish. You know that I think. But we're as comedians and performers, we're not campaigning for public office and expecting people to trust them with establishing policies that affect them. We're just trying to make them laugh. So I think it's a well, bit different I for know, a comedian than a politician. Having had one of the longest running solo shows about being a black man I, that I did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say <laughs> That, that's true. Very that's good. totally true. That happened to me. Um, <laughs> Kate Santos. Kate Santos. What's up? That was one of the Santos memes that I saw that cracked me up. It was it was a him on Martin Luther King's body standing in front of a big crowd and said, George Santos giving his famous I have a dream speech. <laughs> He's got Speaking a top memes, Melania. Yeah, there's there's a meme that's going around today that the MAGA people are are tweeting back and forth to each other and posting. And what it is, is a meme of Donald Trump with what's supposed to be Jesus behind him with his hands on Donald Trump's shoulders. Except what these MAGA idiots don't realize is, if you look at the picture, it's not Jesus, it's Manson. Oh, oh my it's true. I look, go to my Facebook. I posted it on Facebook. You know, he's got the, the you know, the headdress on and the whatnot, you know, the, the traditional uh, uh, depiction of Jesus, except when you look at the face, it's Manson. And they're tweeting it back and forth and posting it all over the place. And they have no idea. The <laughs> other one, they're about to blow off. Oh, the God. other one I love that. I thought you were going to talk about this one. They're tweeting at pictures from Rosalind Carter's funeral because Milan 
Melania showed up and was yeah. sitting in the front with all the other former first ladies. She was the only one not dressed in black. And there's this shaft of sunlight that kind of hits the back of her head. And they're all claiming that that is a, an anointing from God because she didn't wear black. So all the other first ladies are Satanists. And this oh, was wow. on InfoWars. Oh, I mean, goodness. You know what's it? What's really classy is that Rosalind Carter specifically uh, left instructions yes. that she was to be invited. That she, that she I think was, she and she Donnie were. They invited Donald Trump. He didn't go. But well, she, I don't think so. I, I the, what I read was it was specifically her because she wanted all of the living first ladies to be together and and thought that that might be some kind of a bridge with how divided we are as as a nation right now to have her there. If, if Donald Trump would have been there. God, I mean, you know, everything would have been about him. I mean, if he walks in a room, suddenly everything's about him, you know. So, um, so it's a good thing he didn't come. And I, I thought that was that, you know, again, that tells you about Rosalind Carter, just yeah. you know how how incredibly classy she was. Class, classy is is, is President Carter is. Mm-hmm. I mean, whereas as other former presidents have spent their post presidency getting millions of dollars for giving speeches and sitting on boards of directors and those kinds of things, you know, he was off building houses for the homeless for Habitat for Humanity. And you know, teaching Sunday not, school and teaching Sunday school and, and doing things like this. And, and, and it was also classy to invite her because of the fact that Trump has on the campaign stump been trashing Carter. Yeah. I mean, this is after Carter has gone into hospice. I know. And he's yeah. trashing him and trashing his, his presidency and trashing his administration and all of this stuff. So uh, there's Trump stuff in the news, and I try to avoid it. I really do. So I'm so sick of talking about this nitwit. But there's so much stuff that you can't avoid it. So here's a question I've got for you. One of the things that's being challenged right now among his myriad of, of, of legal issues is that there is a uh, there are two gag orders that are in place uh, that restrict what it is that he can say. Uh, the reason being is that he's attacking court personnel, he's attacking judges, he's attacking prosecutors. And when he attacks these people, what happens is, is it's it's not so coded directions for his followers to go after them. Right. To to threaten them with harm, uh, the the both of these uh, uh, gag orders, the one in federal court and the one in the New York fraud trial, are both on hold as they are being appealed right now. And the argument that his lawyers are using in New York in the appeal is when when uh, the other side brought up that look, um, since this just since this gag order has been stayed, the, the judge and the the clerk in the fraud case have gotten literally hundreds hundreds of death threats a day, hundreds a day. Uh, their their private cell phone numbers are out, and so they're getting calls on the cell phone. They're getting emails. They're getting uh, uh, just, you know, actual mails, you know, through snail mail sent to them and all this stuff that's going on. And, uh, and so their response is, the, the argument is, is that Trump should not be penalized because he can't control what other people do. So does he have a well think about that for a second? Does he have a legitimate argument? Unless he specifically comes out and says, you know, I want you to go to 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 kill this judge. I want you to threaten the life of of this clerk. He doesn't come on and say it, but you know what it is he means. You know, it's 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 like mob boss talk, like, oh, nice yeah. score. Be a real shame if something happened to it. It's like that kind of stuff that he does. So do you think that his that his attorneys have a point? That well, he can't control what other people do. They have a point that he can't control, that he isn't necessarily 100% responsible. But what they don't have a point is the gag orders. This isn't the first time there have been gag orders. And 
there have been gag orders just to color the jury's minds. That's, I mean, it's not just about preventing death threats. This is, it makes it a little bit more urgent. Um, I love Alina Habba, the, the, the one of his ditzy lawyers who looks like she's advertising to be a Victoria's Secret model. I don't know. I've never seen more cleavage on a lawyer. Um, but, <laughs> but she's distracting said, for the jury. That's the whole idea. Yeah, that's the whole idea. And obviously it's what Trump is looking at. But she said, you know, death threats are just part of the game when you're in the legal system. And it's like, no, it's not. And what that does is create all this distraction. And that's, I mean, so yeah, he's not directly responsible for the death threats, even if it, 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 you know, but there is a correlation, even if it's not direct causation, and that's creating a problem. And that's what the gag orders are all about, too, not just preventing the death threats. Yeah, what what uh, we learned in um, intercollegiate speech and debate at UCLA is gag orders, everyone knows what a, a the larger immediate form of what a gag order is supposed to mean, but it's supposed to um, mostly target nuance of what could be said that could shade a jury's point of view or the public's point of view. And so when he says things in that mob speak of, you know, uh, somebody might need to take care of that, those kind of phrases mean that language. And everybody knows what that language means. So he, they don't have a leg to stand on. His his representation doesn't have a leg to stand on when he says these things like, you know, uh, we shouldn't let this stand. Somebody needs to do something about what's happening in America right now, what they're doing to me. And then he yeah, that kind of stuff. Too. Yeah, you know, exactly. All right. Well, Kate, you're in New York. You, you tell me. They need to go past the gag order. What we, we shouldn't. I don't want to look at his face, honestly, like not only not say anything. It's like a look, you know, we are in such a society like don't he could be doing science. He could be doing I, I think the larger thing is like we're, we just people love to hate one another, you know, like yeah. people are so united over if if he hates them, I hate them. And, you know, it's just what about love, y'all? What about love? <laughs> you know what I'm curious? Well, that's about, where Kate, the Carters because Kate, you, you, you come from from is it Orange, Texas. That's is right. Where you come from? That's a little, right. little town, Orange, Orange, Texas. <laughs> and um, you live in Manhattan. You live in New York. So yes. is it culture shock to go home to this little town in, in Texas? Is it a big pro-Trump right-wing town compared to it's where it is that you are now? The biggest culture shock was the Bay Area because I always say the Bay Area is the conservative deep south in reverse. You know, I um, would get, you know, into polite conversations my brother works in the um gas and oil industry when he has a job and he was telling someone in the bay area about it and uh and they're like bro what about the polar bears i'm like he's gonna knock you out if you insult his work but he was so non-confrontational about it that my brother's like didn't even catch that he was being you know critical because there's a language for critic for being critical that like both sides don't speak so i'm like it, it, i just i think it's hilarious and and sad but also also you know pe when people condemn people who who are living like that without looking at it's going to the the mlk you know his he had a dream for poor white people he, had, he started the poor people's campaign and oh, when right. um, upton sinclair said it's hard to get a man to understand something when his livelihood depends on not understanding it 
And that's how I think about where I'm from in the gas and oil and them all supporting Trump because he's like, I'm going to, you know, Biden and clean energy and and all they think of is our jobs and we can get make a decent living and we don't have to get an education or talk about those things that y'all talk about. And y'all hate us because we don't know how to ha- talk about that language. And we hate y'all because y'all hate us. And so so I think it's this like sad loop that's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. And I wouldn't have been able to come to New York and be around um, so many so many different ideas had I not been in the Bay Area. And then also, you know, in New York, you have um, more, I mean, you have more different, um, I mean, it's still like elitist in Manhattan, but, you know, you have your working class people. My my boyfriend's parents were bus drivers and they have a pension and they moved to the South as retirees. And it's mm-hmm. funny to me that it's like what was poor in New York now can go to the South and have a nice retirement. And in the South, where do they go? Right. Well, they just go to chat rooms and hate one another. And that's I, that, I don't know if that answers your question, but I think we are so like orange is so far from in mindset from the Bay Area. And yet, you know, you have to see the humanity of one another. And because those people don't get to be around each other that much, they don't get that chance. Well, that makes sense. I mean, if, if you can open up and hear what the other side has to say, or at least try, <clears throat> excuse me, the frog at least try to, to to see their point of view. But when people are spewing hate at you, it's hard to try to open up to see. I, like, I can't see, understand the point of view of someone who hates people based on their, their gender, based on their ethnicity, based on their on their race, on their religious background. I, I can't, there's no way that I could put myself in that position to say, okay, we, we'll, we'll have to agree to disagree. There's some stuff you can't agree to disagree. I mean, am I being intolerant when I say that, that there are some things you can't agree to disagree with? I totally agree with you. And 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 I totally see what you're saying, Kate. There is a lot of closed-minded isolation. We're all in our own bubbles. I don't like the both sides-ism, though, because in general, there I think there are fewer people on the And there are some crazies on the left. But in terms of politics, the crazies on the left aren't the ones who are in leadership positions. Basically, the Democrats who are in office, like Biden, are moderate centrists. But then you've got these, you know, not just George Santos, but the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Lauren you know, Boberts, Lauren Boberts, who are just hateful and ignorant and racist. And Mike Johnson, who wants to run the country like it's based on the Bible and thinks life begins at conception. And I don't know. I just I and I, I would I, like to see more crazy liberals, you know, like not crazy, <laughs> you know, like we have entertainment. You left the Bay Area. You're here. They're being kooky. You know, they're out there saying wild stuff. You know, where is this thing where it's like I want a crazy person to be like, and I love Muslims and Jews and I'm a Christian and we all got together and had an orgy. I don't know what it is, but it's like, <laughs> what is the kooky person that's going to be like, oh, like that's going to shock and hor- like horrify the right wingers. Oh, they're horrified know? by our very existence. And also, you know, it's that's I think why a lot of the kookies are in entertainment. <laughs> I mean, they, they, I don't know. I feel like we're too polite. And like, you know, I love the Michelle Obama quote when they go 
low, we go high. And I'm like, being from Orange, Texas, that's when they knock your knees out. You know, they're like, they're like, (laughs) don't go high. But we can do, I like the variation when they go low, we write comedy about it. And when they, yeah, we make fun of them. I think that's why I think a lot of the best satire is on the left because they're really easy to make fun of. And that's a, and wit and humor are a really powerful way of sort of breaking that down without being mean in response. Because if we have to go lower than they go, it is, like you said, all going to be about hate. Let me ask you this. Have any of you heard any, any funny front right wing comedy? I'm trying to think of I've ever heard anybody do right wing comedy. I mean, I know comics who whose political uh, uh, personal political preferences are to the right and are pro Trump and whatever. But it, you don't you don't hear them, at least around here, you know, say it out loud on a stage in front of an audience. So has anybody actually come out the way that that, that those from the left will and, and espouse a political point of view? That's funny on the right. Is there anybody doing that? No, and- not very, not very much. Because here's the thing. Um, it'll start funny, but then the real textures of who they are come through and then it becomes unfunny. There's a guy right now who came out and said, um, uh, he's, he's a right wing comic. And he said, Hey, you know, I say, uh, are you going to have abortion? And I don't think there should be abortion. You know, where are all these black women going to do with their babies? Oh my God. He said, hey, wow. he said you want to kill them? He said, I'll buy that. them. He said, let's bring slavery back. I'll buy them. Isn't it better to, for me to buy them? Then for you to go ahead and kill them, let me buy some free labor and go from there. So it just the inter- what's the audience do? Does he what, what are the audience? What's the audience response? Well, he, well, he was doing it online and people are coming in mass down on him. I didn't know he was a comedian. Someone sent me that this morning. I'll send it to you, Brian. OK, but do you all know Tim Dillon? I know the name, but I've never seen him work. Y'all got to listen to him because he is like sweeping everything. And he I grew up listening to, unfortunately, uh, Rush Limbaugh playing on the radio in the background. And, you know, I would listen to Tim Dillon and it it just like reeks of like Rush Limbaugh. I'm like, I got to I can't listen to this. I can't listen to this. And then he's it's like satirical what he's saying. I mean, there are some really interesting things that people are playing with where you know, people who would be super like they're saying offensive things and they are on the left, but they're using that rhetoric, uh, either like calling words that I wouldn't use as a polite Southern woman or as someone who went to school in the Bay Area. But it's like there is this interesting point, I think, where things tipped so far into political correctness to where you can use some of that rhetoric and not determine like, you know, you're a right wing or left wing. But like if you look into Tim Dillon, he's doing some really interesting, bizarre stuff where you're like, he's playing with the character of that type of, and he's a gay man. I should say this. He's a white gay man. A right wing uh, gay man. That's something I've never well, understood. I'm not, I'm not saying he's right wing. I'm not saying, mm-hmm. but if you listen to his rhetoric, he's using that rhetoric comedically. And so I don't know his personal political bents, but then when you listen to it, you're, you will find your, I will, I'm curious to hear how y'all will yeah. take some of this. But so maybe it's like, you know, Charlie Varen, um, and, and I'm going to pitch this right now to you, Brian. You should do a show. We have Charlie Varen on as uh, Russia Limbaugh. He does an incredible Russia. Yeah, he had done a show. And, it was a huge And you have me on as Jesse Jackson. I'll come on and I'll speak as Jesse Jackson and just have a couple <laughs> of pundits on speaking in character for the whole episode. But to your point about the right wing comedy, because I, I get that all the time when I put, cause I do my songs every week and people will say, well, where's your fun- song making fun of Biden's 
you know, dementia? Or where's your song making fun of, you know, Nancy Pelosi instead of Lauren Boebert? And I will, I will sometimes engage with these folks and say, great, uh, you know, I write about what I feel, so you send me the funny songs on the right. And there aren't any. Um, their idea of humor is my pronouns are impeach Fauci. You know, I mean, it's like, that's what they think is funny. And you can make fun of Facebook giving you 37 options for pronouns. I mean, there is some comedy in that, but yeah, it feels like what I like Greg Gutfield on Fox news. Who has a huge audience whose audience is you. I've, I've never seen him. Is he funny? No, it's in, it's insult. It, to me, it goes back to the stuff that, you know, like, you know, the Don Rickles, the, the, you know, take my wife, please. My wife is so oh, ugly that, Honey, yeah, I, I, but there was a lot of, in, in addition to what was really funny, there was a lot of mean spiritedness behind a lot of that, that isn't funny anymore. Um, well, it is subjective. And that the biggest comedian, you know, has a huge right wing, the, you know, uh, the, the biggest, I would say even pundit in our country is a comedian who has a huge right wing following and that's Joe Rogan. You know, yeah. you can, he is the biggest outlet. A comedian goes on his podcast and their lives are forever changed. He is bigger than any late night show. And he has a huge right wing. So it's like, how can you say, I mean, it's subjective to say it's not funny, but you know, even for me, I'm, I'm going to Texas to do shows this next weekend. And I'm like someone who I was too polite and, and little of a woman to ever do any, to be heard of outside of the church in Texas. You know, I didn't find my voice. So I went to San Francisco and then in New York and I'm like, Oh, is this going to be funny? And can I say this coming from a place of love, knowing I know people on the other side that bridges and makes fun of both of us, you know, like, you know, my thing where women in, you know, Texas are like, yes, I'm a feminist. All my guns are pink. Women in New York are like, yes, I'm a feminist because I'm hot and rich. You know, women in California are like, I'm a feminist because I have my pussy hat or whatever they crochet, you know, but how do you, how do I not? Because I know if the second I'm going to start saying like right wing, left wing, they're going to be like, well, fuck you. Right. Sorry about that language. Oops. Mm -hmm. But it's easy to condone. And I want to be open to hearing them, even if they are full of bigots, because maybe there's a nugget of something good in there that you can find that thing to connect. And I want to also, you know, I mean, I'm just like teetering that line because I know I'm going to Texas and I'm like a lot of this stuff where I make fun of Texans. They you won't do it to their faces. It's You'll talk your smack. You just won't do it to their faces. I, no, I want to do it in their face in a way that's like holding up a mirror and not like also not being mean spirited about them. You know, right. where it's like, it's like, oh, they're being because sometimes you're you're being a bully to show something. Right. Right. Like to show a flip of power. I don't know. I but I think you know, this thing of like um, right wing can't be funny is just not true or not like there aren't any funny people because. I'm not. No, I'm not saying right wing yeah. people can't be funny. And in my particular end of comedy, which is satirical yeah. songs, I just haven't yeah. seen it yet. I'm not saying it can't be. And I also make fun of people on our side, too. There's plenty to make fun of. And I agree with you if we can just be funny without being mean spirited, but also without punching down. I feel like. Yeah. If I'm going to make fun of people, punch up. I'm finding it in in this, when we talk about how we can't talk to the other side, I'm finding in social media, when you're outside on the platform, like you're in a chat room or you're on Instagram, they've got to stick with their stance for all the people looking on. But And I try not, like you were mentioned, uh, Brian, just can't take 
the, some of the, you can't agree to disagree with people on certain things, but sometimes whenever you get them one-on-one in direct message, the whole dynamic changes. Yeah, it does. It does. And, sometimes. Yeah. So in some cases I'll figure out like I'm having a, a conflict with someone I'll DM them. And usually in those conversations, we come to some kind of, of interaction that is palatable. We may they're not, not a strident. Scream. They're not as strident one-on-one as they yeah, are exactly. when, they're, when they're screaming into a, a bullhorn. Let me, yeah. let me ask you this. Cause okay, talking about going to Texas. Cause when I was a road comic, I used to play Texas a lot. There were yeah. a lot of play. There, I used to play the laugh stop. You probably did these done the laugh stop. Yeah, and, the laugh stop, Austin, yeah. and, and uh, where was it? it was there's one in Austin. There's one in, a funny bone in San Antonio. There was an improv. I used to play in Dallas. And and with the exception of Austin, um, I would, would change my act if I went to Texas because there's stuff that I knew that just was not going to play. Austin was always different. Austin. I'll tell you one of the coolest things that ever happened to me. I interviewed Renee Zellweger and she said that when she was in college in Austin, she used to come to the laugh stop and watch me. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so I'm older than Renee Zellweger. That makes me feel good. But, uh, but, but, the, but that was the one place where, where you know, the, that was the blue spot. And even then, a very conservative state where you could say stuff. So, so when you played places like that, did you make a conscious effort, or do you make a conscious effort before you go that I'm not going to say certain things because I know I can't get away with it. I know I, I I had gun jokes and things, for example, you know, that were gun control, pro gun control jokes that there's no way in hell I was going to I was going to do in, in the state of Texas. There's just no way. Yeah. You if you're not uh, unless you're trying to. I mean, I, I know it's almost like it's not even safe for your career or you can't even get them a little bit on your side with a little bit of the hint you would do to pull them to sanity if you're going to stick to your material, no matter what, it's not really even in my eyes, professional, your goal is to entertain that audience. Yeah, they're there to be entertained. It doesn't mean you have to uh, kowtow and make up a bunch of jokes that are completely against your beliefs, but that, that joke that you know is like a raw ah, problem creator. Why do it? If you have a body of material, when you could do this thing that kind of hints at it or, or kind of sticks in there and gets right out. Why do a seven minute bit on, you know, you're horrible people and you're against abortion. Why do that? What, what is the goal? Well, you know, you, you, have got to connect with them on some level and there's some stuff that, you know, if you go to certain places that you're not going to connect with them. There's the biggest mistake I ever made on stage once. I was playing at the, it was a laugh stop in Newport Beach. I'd never been to Newport Beach before. I know where that is. And it was right after Richard Nixon. Where I grew up. It was Newport Beach was there. Well, I grew up in Irvine, but next Newport Beach was right next door. Yeah. Oh my God. So I did this. So so I did, I did this and I didn't know that, you know, and I did this joke that Richard Nixon just died at, at the age of 70, whatever it was, proving once again that the good die young. And and I I didn't realize that I was in Orange County. I didn't realize that that was kind of like where his like presidential library was like right next door and all that stuff. You know, they named the airport in Orange County is named. It's the Ronald Ray. uh, I was was rather the wrong one. The John Wayne Memorial. Right. I mean, I grew up there. I can't I canvassed for McGovern as a kid and people. I mean, it was so far out there. They laughed at us. I mean, if I mean, it's if and when 
I, I'm older than you are, but back when you played there, I mean, it's it's still very conservative. It well, is that's where a, Kevin McCarthy comes from, right? That's, it's a, it's that's a purplish county now. Parts of it are. But Newport Beach is both conservative and rich. Uh, let me throw this out at you. Uh, the CEO of Home Depot was it was announced today. Bernie Marcus is his name. Has donated a million dollars, over a million dollars, to GOP Congress people who voted not to certify the 2020 election. And he also says that even if Trump is convicted, he will continue to support him vocally and financially. So, does that in any way affect your patronage of Home Depot? You know, knowing that your money that you're giving him is the money that you're spending on that hammer to give him, some of that is going to go towards these election deniers and 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 uh, uh, people whose views may not line up with yours. I've I've always tried to avoid Home Depot, and I'm terrible with stuff around the house, and I don't know where my hammer is, but I like plants, and they have really good plants, and that's my big sacrifices. Yeah, I especially when I heard about the the voting for Trump and feeling the election was stolen um it's it's that's my excuse also for not being good at crafting is that i stay away from hobby lobby too (laughs) (laughs) and my whole thing about eating chicken sandwiches i'm gonna go to chick-fil-a that's it that's it so that lines up with me so so you don't go to chick-fil-a oh no i don't i don't do chick-fil-a no specifically because of their sunday uh and uh stance with lgbtq i Specifically wow. for that for that reason, I always get Ron by um, uh, Hassel because he, he likes it. I because remember. yeah, you know, because Ron by if you if you w- watch or listen to the podcast, uh, you know, he's an openly gay comic, and and I'm going boycotting this place for you. And he goes, yeah, but their sandwiches are good. <laughs> goes, I have to say, by <laughs> that, I'm doing this for you. <laughs> by that logic, I should avoid In and Out because they they've always got New Testament quotes on everything, and yeah. I'm probably a good portion of their money goes to Christian evangelist things, but but it's a little different because I don't think they're directly supporting Trump and they have the best French fries. So well, and Wendy's like, was one of the only companies that didn't um, agree to like raise the minimum wage for their workers or something. There was some who was it? Of, yeah, Wendy's, and I love oh, their products. Yeah. Look, we should just drop out of capitalism. So what's our solution? Because this is exhausting. Capitalism is really wearing me down. Yeah. Right. Well, you have to get the fries from this place and the hamburger from that spot. And the drink is. <laughs> and then the lettuce has to come to the place that. Yeah. They supported Obama. And the cheesecake you got to get from uh, this other place. That's but at least we're not doing, you know, like the equivalent of the Bud Light stuff. We're not going to Home Depot, giving them a bunch of money, buying a bunch of products, and then shooting them to show them. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, since then, since then, you know, um, a kid rock was spotted on a yacht with a Bud Light. And he was the one who lined it up and shot it with a AK-47 and cuck, 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 against this. But then, like, maybe spotted. two months later, wow. he's on a yacht with a Bud Light. Like, did he forget? <laughs> Or was he ran out of bullets? (laughs) Or was he posturing? Uh, Complete change of subject. It's something lighter because it is it is the holiday season. Now we are are in the Christmas season and in in the Hanukkah season. Um, You don't have to put Hanukkah in there, Brian. Hanukkah is like Arbor Day in terms of its significance. (laughs) It's It's Arbor Day. (laughs) It's not important. We have a lot of holidays, and I think it's like number twenty-five in terms of what's important. In the, the really? Years. Yeah, Hanukkah is so minor. The only reason it's gotten any attention is because it's the Christmas season and we feel outnumbered. And but that's it. It's minor. 
So so are you are you offended if anyone says Merry Christmas to you? Not at all. I am I appreciate it if somebody says happy holidays just because it's an awareness that, you know, at least if, I think it's like eight percent of the country doesn't celebrate Christmas between Jews, Muslims, and Wiccans and a few other folks. And um, Jehovah's Witnesses. And Jehovah's Witnesses, right. So I appreciate it. I'm not offended. I also hope that Christians who celebrate Christmas don't consider happy holidays an affront to them. And I play a lot of Christmas gigs. And so, yeah, I'll say Merry Christmas if I'm making money off of a Christmas gig. Um, Capitalism again. See, there you go. Capitalism. <laughs> so so I bring I bring this up because it, this the last couple of years uh, on on uh, social media, this has come up as a is actually a, a divisive concept. And and I'm, I'm surprised by this. It, it is over the movie Love Actually. Have you seen Love Actually? Yes, yes. We've all yes. seen. It. Okay. And for summary, people either love it or they absolutely hate it. There are those who say they watch it every Christmas or they absolutely hate it. And so I um, actually watched it the other night. And after reading all the stuff beforehand, I'm really kind of embarrassed to say that I liked it. I love I actually it. I, it. I hate it, but not for the reason you think. It's it's more as a feminist thing because all the men get way younger women and the older women like Emma Thompson don't, they get treated as sad and pathetic. That's my problem. It's not that I hate it. It's still a really well done movie and the actors are amazing. But that's my complaint. It has nothing to do with whether it's, you know, misappropriating Christmas or not true to the spirit of Christmas and love is great, but I hate the fact that it feels like it marginalizes older women. And I'm really sensitive to that these days. Love that, I love that. And I love the movie, but I love that take because I'm like, you know, the, my the Emma great- Thompson is hot. She's hot She's now so and she was hot 30 yes. years ago. But even, you know, what is the um, It's a Wonderful Life where yeah. when she meet George Bailey and she's a librarian and I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's horrible. She's worse than being a the library. Her and the fact that she's horrible. a working single woman and that's a bad thing. Like Pottersville <laughs> looks like fun. I was going to say, I'd rather live in Pottersville than Bedford Falls. You know, people are drinking, they're dancing, there's bars open. I mean, I'd rather live there than <laughs> live in Bedford Falls. And I, I don't mean, mean to be Grinch about love. Actually, people love that movie and I adore or it. Or they hate Grinch. it. Or they but, hate, but it. they usually hate it for the Christmas reason, not for the ageism. So, Kate, so when you're as old as I am, I like that, Lauren. I, I saw that movie, and I, I'll, I'll go to anything. I'll go to anything by myself or with people. And I went by myself. I saw that movie, and the scene where Emma Thompson realizes that that gift was not for her hit yeah. me a ton of bricks. And my wife and I were separated at the time, and it made me set it straight. I went back in with a different reasoning to not have her be that person. Well, so, so that's it, you great. Know, really resounding, really, really deep. I mean, I bawled in that movie out loud. Really? Yeah, I wouldn't I tell people that. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I meant awesome. to like it. I wouldn't admit to crying during it. Okay, hold, hold on. <laughs> I hated that movie. That movie didn't do nothing to me. <laughs> I'm writing a lot of um, holiday rom-coms right now because I love holiday rom-coms and I'm telling you that's a big one that I'm doing I'm doing like I don't like the ageism one of my I have a writing partner and she was like trying to put this 40 year old with a 25 year old I said no I'm not the other way look at the women Cher's boyfriend is what like 30 or something and that's also weird to me I'm not here to judge 30 but let me let me let me throw this in for a sec before I move because this was a topic I actually had uh, uh, Jane Fonda, 
who is 85 years old, did an interview on a podcast that's supposed to drop in the next couple of days in which she said that if she were to take a lover now, uh, he'd have to be 20 years old. She would yeah. not be with a man who was over the age of 20. And she said the main reason is because she doesn't like old skin. That that's her words. Her words. She doesn't like old skin. So, so, how, so, so here's my question: How how young is too young? I I always heard that that the formula was it's half your age plus seven. You can do I, half your age plus seven is as young as you can go. See, I think formulas make no sense. It just depends on the. You can say it depends on the person. Well, you robbed the cradle though. I, my husband is eight years younger than I am. That is, according <laughs> to insurance statistics, absolutely perfect. Because after you get over about 40 or 50, yeah, women tend to live live seven or eight years longer. And that way, we don't have to worry about it. We're going to pull a notebook when we're both ready to go, go at the exact same time. And Pull a notebook. <laughs> yeah. And other than, like I was saying to Brian before, other than having to explain to my husband that Paul McCartney was in a band before Wings and he does not remember Watergate, and I do, you know, seven, eight years wow. at our age is fine. Um, I, I, the idea of being with somebody who is younger than my grandchildren as Jane Fonda is, I mean, that's, that's weird. And I don't think you want to be with somebody who's younger than your kids or your potential kids. How about the same age as your kids? No, ew. <laughs> you know, that's wrong. Saying, Jane Fonda wasn't saying uh, marrying. She said a lover. She said okay? a lover. That's right. She didn't say marry. She said a lover. You know, I, I, I dated uh, I tried to date. I so tried I to date. No, no, <laughs> I, tried I, did, to I did. No, no. I seriously. At fifty years old, I tried to date someone who was twenty-six. A half your age, basically. It was a disaster. And Why? the key moment. The key moment was when uh, I said, uh, "Have you ever heard of Tower Power?" And she said, "Where's that?" <laughs> and Man. that was it. For me. But see, Don, you are also where there are a lot because I have friends who are on the dating apps who are my age in their 50s and 60s. And a lot of men who are in their 60s still want 20 and 30 year olds. No, no, no. I'm not interested at all. But you also want to have a conversation. No, I I don't want to get this off balance. I'm way on the way on the uh, 48, 50, 60, 67 blade. And if Jane Fonda called. And and that is if you went to my Instagram, it would go. The hair's gray, the sharp, in shape, on point. That's my Actually, if you went to your Instagram, you wouldn't know what Instagram is. That's how old (laughs) the women are that you want to date. This has reminded me of... Well, I got uh, some women for you, Don, then, because I got some um, hot friends. One of my concepts that I'm... One of my scripts that I'm working on is called The 12 Swipes of Christmas. And it's this challenge. This influencer puts people on challenges to go on 12 dates. And I'm like, instead of just having one couple, it should be the love actually where it attracts all the couples. And we should have age different... We should have a... 70 year old woman with a 20 year old man. And then like, I want or do a rom-com based on the golden bachelor. They're finally letting it be okay that older people can date and have. I've never missed a single episode of that show. I've not missed one episode of golden bachelor. You love it. You love it. I love it. Now I've got a story on that. that I I pulled this morning. And that is this guy is not the the nice his name's name Jerry Turner and he's not the nice guy that he appears. No, no, to no, be. don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. Yes, don't they, tell yes. me this. And and what and one of the deals is they they talk to his recent ex, very recent ex. Uh, and oh, not it, so because I thought they, he just talked about the wife who died and no, he cries all well, the time. No, here's what the deal is: his very his most recent ex, he started dating a month after his wife died. <gasps> She worked for a nonprofit and he called her up because he had a bunch of his wife's clothes he wanted to donate. 
Okay. And this is, she's only been gone for a month. Why are you giving her clothes and her stuff away? First of all. So he's donating her stuff and he meets this woman. She's 14 years younger and they start to date. And eventually she moves in with him and they spend all the, the stuff starts, you know, fighting over the finances and who's paying what, and you know, the cap off the toothpaste and all the stuff live with somebody. And the final straw she said was when they were getting ready to go to his high school class reunion and she had put on a couple of pounds and he said, stop, I'm not taking you to my reunion looking like that. <gasps> oh, God. Talking, no. talking about her weight, talking no. about her weight. And that's when she broke up with him. Now, again, this is her side of the story. No, Gary. No, I thought Gary was good. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> you just broken yeah. Don's heart, Brian. You never have heroes. You can never have heroes. Uh, oh well, he wasn't actually a hero. That's going too far. Kid. <laughs> oh, uh, even. I, I mean, there are. I will say that's horrible, and there are plenty. I've. I mean, God, my sister's first husband used to give her clothes that were too small for her, and say that's going to look really great on you when you lose fifteen pounds. I mean, Ooh, yeah. Wow. There's. There's. And that's not, I've, I've, I've never married. No, actually, my first husband used to tell me I needed more makeup. I mean, there are a lot of men out there like that. See, there's um, just something, stuff, there, there's certain things you learn you just don't say. I will never... say, Go ahead. sorry, to cut you. my favorite, one of my favorite things about going to Texas is that, you know, in New York, I'm what you call small town skinny. But in Texas, my family acts like I am emaciated. They're like, you got to eat something because obesity is so prevalent. I don't know if it's in the state, but in my family, too. Well, <laughs> is that Texas side? That's also a Jewish thing. My, my, my grandmother used you know, I, here I was, you know, in the 70s growing up trying to diet. And she we're finding get... common ground. Look at that. See, Jews and, Italian, and, and Texans. I, also, we both have brisket. I learned this. I just finished a whole I'm doing a whole one, one of my, my brother came to um and I brought him to Katz's deli and he so many times I think he's an idiot and but I love him but I think he's an idiot but he when he ordered a pastrami sandwich which is you know delicious brisket he's like y'all got any barbecue sauce but do, they so with, they're connected Kate real quick because Jewish refugees from Russia who were afraid of getting traced to Ellis Island came to Galveston in the late 19th century they brought brisket and that's oh. why that's why Texans barbecue brisket. So Jews and deep South oh. Texans have this bond in common. Isn't that it amazing? Lauren, that makes so much sense. You're fi you're fixing this gap because I always tell people because I'm like my family's been here forever. Uh, it was they the might be Jewish, honey. Do a do a twenty three me and see if you have any Jewish DNA. I We're all over. <laughs> I don't, but I like pretty much exclusively date Jewish men. So, <laughs> so <laughs> you got a little day. Jewish. So many jokes. I'm not going to touch so many, <laughs> I, I so many inappropriate jokes. I said that's it. A, that's <laughs> an underhand lob right over the plate. I'm, I'm not going to swing at it. I, I'm going to I'm going to close with this. Um, you know, ever since I was I turned 50, it's like the, the last AARP, year. AARP has like some hookup with Social Security or something. <laughs> Because I mean, like then my 50th birthday, I started getting crap in the mail and oh, I yeah. refuse to use it. I won't use any of the D any, any of the discount stuff. I don't I don't want to belong. I don't want your card. Just quit sending me your crap. When I'm when I'm a senior citizen. Yeah. When I'm 65, then then yes. Even Fine, when you want to get into the movies for cheaper. I, I, get I lied last week and told him I was already 65. So I got a cheaper movie. Ticket. Well, see, that's different, though, because that's getting over. Okay, if it's getting if it's over. getting over, I'll yeah, do it. Getting over. It's getting over, but don't you know? I'm too young for the AARP. <laughs> anyway, they, they did send this thing today that I thought was interesting, and that did really make me feel old. And what the question was was this: It, it was um, how well do you remember these singles that were popular in your formative years? So, from the opening lyrics, can you identify the song? 
Okay. Okay. Now some of these might be a little old for you, Kate, but yeah, you know pop culture, you know music. It, but what what was on this list from the AARP made me go, God, really? You know, if if you grew up with this song, then you're all right. So you I'll, I'll, to, start, you, I'll start. I'll start to yell it me, out. You just... tell, go ahead, yell, yell out and tell, tell me what the song is. Okay. Here's the here's the opening lyric. I never oh, meant to. Me. I never meant to cause you any sorrow. I never meant to cause you any pain. I guess really? I'm not old enough. No. Can you sing it? <laughs> yeah. I didn't cause you any sorrow. That's Prince. Okay. What's the song? Uh, I never meant to call you any. Um, um, Purple, Rain. Rain. Purple Rain. Very good. That's, see, that's, yeah. I'm so old, Brian. That's after my time. Okay. How about this one? I don't mind you coming here wasting all my time. Because when you're standing oh so near, I kind of lose my mind. I don't know that. Just what I needed by the cars. 1978. Okay. Uh, let's see. How about this one? Um, is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Bohemian Rhapsody. Queen. Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody. Very good. Okay, you got one. Uh, you wake up late for school, man. You don't want to go. You ask your mom, please, but she still says no. School's out? Nope. What is that like? Sing it a little bit. You got to fight for your right to party. The Beastie oh, Boys. boys. Uh, that's after my time. Yeah, I thought you were picking some actually old songs. Yeah. You see, that's like the thing. These are. <laughs> these are. The, AAR, the AARP sent me Prince. It's like, are you <laughs> kidding me? Are you kidding me? Some Ben E. Lewis. Uh, uh, I know. I, I want like, you know, Archie and the Archies. You know, right, the, yeah. or, or the monkeys. That's my, my I remember watching the monkeys in sixth grade. And see, you know, when, you know, when I was growing up, if oldie stations played 50s music, that was oldies. And when you hear your high school songs that, that are now on oldie stations, that just sucks. Yeah. Yeah. OK, how about this one? Some boys kiss me. Some boys hug me. I think they're OK. Uh, da, 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 material girl. Okay, Madonna. So Madonna is an oldie. The AARP sent me Madonna. Uh, Madonna's sixty-five. Brian, she's she's my birth year, but her birthday is a few months before mine. You know, I hear her show's great. She's touring. It's, yeah, they say that the current show is is great. Now, see, you got to look on your face, Don. Like, really? But they they say it's a, it's a, from what I understand. Those she's an amazing it, it's a performer. Great show. So I imagine. I know I would go and have an amazing time, but I probably want to. Maybe close my eyes and enjoy it. No, she's had a, she's <laughs> had enough. Madonna's come to the comedy club that I perform at sometimes. Madonna, see my show, but she's been she's been like seen at the stand in New York City before. You know who I want to see, and I and, I, and another thing I I usually won't say publicly. I won't admit to publicly is uh, I'd like to see Taylor Swift. So I have to tell you because I'm of the generation that my friends' daughters are Swifties. And, and I don't have daughters, so I didn't have that growing up with them. But I have two friends who went with their daughters and did the whole thing, like couldn't get tickets here, went other cities and went. My my friend who's who's a lawyer and smart and loves classical music, she said it was one of the best concerts she'd ever seen. And she does a different set list in every city. Wow. She three and a half hours. And what, what are they getting for tickets? Because it's, it's ridiculous, right? It's oh, like, well, if you buy them at list, it's a couple 300, but you can't because they were sold out in like less than a minute. So. It's in the movie theaters now. Yeah. Let's all go to I'm the movie. I'm deeply impressed by her politics. 
I'm deeply impressed by our politics. That. That's going to be a major, oh. major impact as we move along oh, in yeah. this election yeah. cycle because people who would otherwise not even think about voting are listening to her. And Beyonce, and Beyonce is the other one. Kylie Jenner is another major factor right. as well. And Beyonce. Even Beyonce is a little bit older, but Taylor Swift, because the Nashville crazy woman who was running for um, Congress a couple of years ago, and she ended up winning. And, um, you know, she was for overturning and Taylor Swift defied, you know, we have got the Dixie chicks who, you know, dead to country music. And you've got this like little princess of country music. And they tried to tell her, don't talk politics. You're going to alienate them. And she said no. And they lost. And she was like, but these kids who are listening to me are going to be voting in the next the next she, time. I'll she get put next out, time. So I, I really do admire her for that. She, for she put out a PSA and it wasn't even partisan. It was just saying register to vote, which pissed off the right wing, which tells yeah. you what they think about voting. But it caused like something like a 500 percent spike in registration. Well, it was the so first like, the first day it was over 13,000 Gen Zers registered to vote. To vote. The, the, that was just the first day, the first right. day that, that it ran. I think she put it out over Twitter. Is what she did. And they're terrible. Our forces in our economy, you know, they're like, let's. Oh, she changes the economy in every city that she goes to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. One final one. And uh, and then we'll call it a wrap. Uh, Let's see. Okay, how about this one? She's got a smile that it seems to me reminds me of childhood memories where everything was as fresh as the bright blue sky. She's got a smile that it seems to me reminds me of childhood memories where everything was as fresh as the bright blue sky. And this one I didn't know. Just to be talking, I'll say Sarah smile, but I know it's not correct. No. Everybody give up? Kind of Layla. I don't know. Guns and Roses, sweet child of mine. The AARP sent me That's Guns a- and Roses. <laughs> guns and Roses, the AARP. That sounds old to me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> guns and Roses is like a little old to me. Oh, man. Well, that hurts. Thank you. Yeah, really. I'll be breaking my hip by the time we're done with the podcast. Uh, all right, where, where's everybody playing? Uh, we'll start with you, Kate. Where, where are you in New York right now? And you're headed to Texas. Yeah, but I'm going to be in Austin at Cap City, opening up for Derek Drescher, my boyfriend, on the eighth and the ninth. So I'm featuring for him. Eighth so and the ninth. If you're in Austin, Texas, and then I'll be in Houston, um, the seventh. Now, at- you got a website? Uh, yeah, they're on my, it'll be all on my Instagram. Okay. What, what, where can people find your Instagram at Kate Robards? That's it. That's me. Okay. Lauren. I've got a live stream on Sunday on my Facebook page, Lauren Mayer comedy songs, and I'm playing a bunch of Christmas parties and I'll have a song coming out Friday on YouTube. Uh, my YouTube channel is psycho Supermom about either George Santos being expelled or not. And then I'll be bringing my Don't Mind Me, I'll Sit Here in the Dark Jewish Mother's Show to a synagogue or a Jewish community center near you soon. Awesome. Don, you got a lot of stuff going on. Yes, uh, tomorrow night is the first night of Redwood Nights at Deer Park Villa, a -a one-of-a-kind storytelling night that's outdoors tucked in the Redwoods with wonderful heat lamps, blankets, and red wine. Uh, Stories that are funny, and moving and all true. I'll host that night. I need uh, some of y'all to be on there. Um, yeah. Eventbrite Redwood Nights. You'll find it really easy. One of what, the, city, uh, what city is this in? That's in Fairfax. 
Uh, that was California. Yeah, on Bellinas Road. Uh, then every Tuesday night, I'm producing All Pro Comedy Night in uh, Fairfax as well. And then this weekend, and for only five more shows, I'm doing uh, East 14th, 14th birthday at the Marsh in Berkeley. There's five yeah. shows, and it will be adioso. It's a great show. Don's That's first good. show, East 14th Street. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful show. Good. All right. Uh, and I want to mention that uh, it's it's Christmas season. So I am doing my, the annual Christmas show. I do the jewelry box is, uh, is coming to a number of different places. I'm, I go to briancopeland.com and uh, the list of all the places is there. I think I'm doing like about a dozen performances at, a, at uh, as many theaters over the course of, uh, of the month of December. So Laura Mayer, Don Reed, Kate Robarts, thanks for being with, with us. Appreciate it. All, thanks always for having us. It. Thank you. All right. Thank you That's so much. Good. That's going to do it for this week. We'll check you out next week. Yes. Be safe in Texas, Kate. Watch what you say and be safe in Texas. Don't don't tell gun jokes. (laughs) Don't don't tell gun control jokes. Gun jokes are fun. (laughs) Don't tell gun control jokes from my cold, dead hands. Uh, If you want to support this podcast, a number of ways you can do it. One, by telling anybody you can, any way that you possibly can. If you're watching us over YouTube, we're trying to get a thousand subscribers so we can do this live as opposed to uh, pre-taping and dropping it the next day. So uh, go to YouTube and uh, and subscribe. Other than that, you know, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Check out next time. Till then, be kind to your neighbor. He knows where you live.